What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike. Today we are breaking down how a movie makes $1 billion at the box office and the 15 superhero movies that have done it. In the movie review, I'll give you my spoiler-free thoughts on Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And in the trailer park, we'll talk about Brendan Fraser's return in a new A24 film called The Whale. Thank you for being here. Thank you for subscribing and listening every single Monday. Shout out to the Monday Morning Movie Crew. All right. Now let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. One billion dollars that is the number we are talking about today how in the world does a movie make one billion dollars and what does that even mean let's look into the fascination first of all with one billion dollars i think that is the new gold standard when it comes to making something that audiences are resonating with making something that is impactful can the movie make $1 billion? And what does that mean for your movie? So out of all the movies that have been made in the world, only 51 titles have ever made a billion dollars. And of those 51 movies, 15 are superhero movies. The first movie to ever make $1 billion at the box office was Titanic back in 1997. The second was The Lord of the Rings Return of the King in 2003. And since then, another movie before the year of 2000 has since crossed the $1 billion mark, and that is the original Jurassic Park. So that is only two movies ever before the year of 2000. A majority of the movies that have done it have been in the last 10 years. Just two movies alone in 2022 have done it with Jurassic World Dominion and Top Gun 2, which have both made the list this year. So how exactly does a movie make $1 billion and what exactly does that mean? Let's talk about first how a movie makes money. And we are going to use Avengers Endgame 
as the example in the situation when looking at the top 15 superhero movies that have done this. This is number one, but let's break down how exactly that happened. So in this situation, you have the studio, which is Marvel. You have the distributor, which is their parent company, Disney. Disney is the one getting all of the Marvel movies out into theaters so that we can go see them. And then you have what is known as the exhibitor. That is your AMC, your Regal, any movie theater that you go to. They are the ones making the deals with Disney, the distributor. And they make the deal to split the profits of ticket prices. So it costs studios and distributors money to get these movies into the theaters. And the relationship has changed over the years because now more than ever, the theaters need the big movies more so than the actual movies need the theaters because the AMCs and the Regals are trying to just get people back into the seats, get people back buying concessions and buying drinks more so than actually paying for tickets. So they really need big billion dollar movies from the studios to keep their businesses afloat. So typically in these deals, the studio, so Marvel would get 55% of the box office profit and the theaters like AMC and Regal would get 45% of that. So Endgame made $2.8 billion globally. That means Disney took home $1.56 billion and movie theaters made about $1.24 billion. But not all of that is profit because the movie costs $365 million to make and another $200 million spent marketing Endgame. So you're looking at $560 $65 million taken away from that $1.56 billion. So in reality, Avengers Endgame only made $969 million at the box office. So even when a movie makes $1 billion, the studio isn't seeing all of that money. So it does feel like an arbitrary number to hit of like, oh, we made a billion dollars. Well, you really didn't because there are so many things you have to pay for. And we'll get into exactly what all of that is. But for a movie like Avengers Endgame, Disney demanded 65% of the profits instead of that 55%, which is a pretty steep thing. And it's very rare for movie theaters to make that deal. But Endgame was a movie like no other. They could demand that. And it's Disney. They can make those kinds of deals that, say, a smaller independent studio like A24 couldn't because they know this movie and this franchise is going to get people into those seats regardless. And they're going to sell tickets and they're going to fill out the theater so they can make that deal again. In this situation, the theaters really need a movie like this more so then Marvel needs them in this situation, especially now with services like Disney Plus, Netflix, and Hulu. And that's where the relationship is also changing because there are some additional costs when it comes to just what the movie costs to make. So going back to our movie Endgame, that movie costs $365 million just to make. So to pay all of the actors, to pay the crew, to pay the visual effects, just to make that product, it costs $365 million. So whenever you search out what a movie costs to make, that is all you're going to see. You're not going to see the hidden fees, which for a movie like Endgame, it costs $200 million just in the marketing budget. So not even what they paid the cast, the crew, or general production fees. This was, on top of all that, $200 million. And in order to get a movie to get to that billion-dollar mark, that is how much you have to spend on just advertising to get commercials running on 
everything to get deals with restaurants. If you want your movie on a cup at the 7-Eleven, that's how much you're going to have to pay to reach everybody and know that you have a movie coming out in theaters on this day. Marvel did it pretty aggressively with Wakanda Forever. I mean, I couldn't watch anything on TV or get on TikTok or Instagram without knowing that Wakanda Forever was coming out this past weekend. And with a movie like Endgame, which that is a lot, $200 million in marketing is on the super high side, probably more typical in the 50 or maybe even $100 million range, depending on the different movie. But it's all about that return and investment and knowing that if you spend $200 million on marketing, that it will show itself in the sales and where they make their money back even more so is video on demand rentals later when you pay to watch it at home, Blu-ray sales and merchandise. Oh, how sweet the merchandise is, especially with Marvel movies. You think of all those toys, all those t-shirts, all the pop toys, cups, keychains, stickers, Disney World itself. Like it's all just a big commercial to get you to buy something outside of the movie. And that also creates the fan base. And if you look at these big billion dollar movies, they are all films with passionate fan bases. Look at Marvel, look at Star Wars, look at Jurassic Park. And that is also what you're building on here. So you can justify the spending here. So looking at that number, it kind of puts into perspective the reason we are seeing more and more movies go straight to on demand, whether it be Netflix, Disney Plus or Hulu. It's because studios don't have to take that risk, especially when it comes to smaller movies. And I'll continue to use Disney as an example here because they have done it a lot with whether it be their Pixar movies or their live action remakes. They could spend $50 million to make this movie. And you think, oh, why don't they just put it in theaters? Well, they'll have to spend that other 50, 60, 70 million dollars to market it at the chance of it returning on their investment at just the chance of risking it. What if a movie bombs and they spend all that extra money to market it and to get it in the theaters and then it takes just so much longer to dig themselves out of that hole? Why not just put it on Disney Plus where their job there is to keep subscribers. Their job is to give you new content to make it feel like it is worth the money you spend every single month on that. So you go in there and you see something new. All right, I'll keep it for another month. Or they are trying to get you back. Maybe you had Disney Plus for a few months and realize, eh, it's not really worth the money. But they put out Hocus Pocus 2 and you're like, oh, wait, I do want to have a family movie night and watch Hocus Pocus 2. Let me renew that subscription for another month. And there you go. They got you for another month because of that movie. So it's like the risk reward. It's that all about that return on investment. How will they be able to make their money back? How can they just keep their subscribers on Disney Plus to keep everybody happy? So that is why we are seeing that more and more. But what is bankable at the box office right now? What continues to work time and time again? It just happens to be superhero movies. And we'll move forward now to looking at Wakanda Forever, which just in pre-sales alone made $50 million. That is a built-in fan base. No one else can do that. In pre-sale tickets, I'm not even talking day of, I'm talking just people anticipating wanting to see this movie so much so that they would spend money early to get their tickets. Movies have a hard time crossing that $50 million 
dollar mark opening weekend, unheard of to hear that amount in pre-sale tickets. So that is what's working right now. And that's why we continue to see so many superhero movies, two, three, sometimes four a year, because that is what's getting people to reach these numbers. That is what has the best return on investment right now. All things considered, ticket sales, merchandising, Blu-rays, the list goes on and on. And I know they get criticized now, and I'm a big superhero movie fan. I will defend them to the death. And we feel like it's so recent because we see them so much now with the MCU and DC. But superhero movies have been apart for cinema for decades. Looking back at movies like Superman, Tim Burton's The Batman, just back in the day, they would pop up every now and again. It wasn't as frequent as we see them now, and it really wasn't until the 2000s where movies like X-Men and the original Spider-Man changed all that and led to us having Marvel and DC movies who began to make billion-dollar hit after billion-dollar hit. And Marvel now has become one of the biggest brands on the planet out of any kind of product and Warner Brothers is trying really hard to put DC on that list as well. So let's look now at out of the 51 movies that have made a billion dollars, the 15 superhero movies that have done it. And there's some interesting things to look at here because some of them have both things going for them. They have been critically acclaimed and they have also been loved by fans. Some have been loved by fans, which is a little bit more expected when it comes to superhero movies. They have a passionate fan base, so we're going to love them because we love seeing our favorite characters, but sometimes critics rips those to shreds for being pretty surface level or just being another superhero movie. Critics are no fun. So at number 15, the first superhero movie to ever make $1 billion at the box office was 2008's The Dark Knight, which is significant for a couple reasons because it became the marquee movie for the superhero genre, the one that tore down the walls of something being critically acclaimed and loved by fan bases. So it became the first and the best to do it, combining those two worlds. So it is very rare for a movie to be that significant when it comes to critics and audiences alike. So I love that that movie was the first to do it. And right above that one at number 14 is Joker, another DC movie. And I don't even fully consider Joker to be a superhero movie. It's in the comic book world because Joker is a villain. But that's almost a movie that just exists under the DC banner. But again, another movie that has the critical acclaim and the passionate fan base behind it. And I'm curious to see how they make that Joker 2 musical. So that's Joker making just over $1 billion, the same as number 15, The Dark Knight. Then you have at 13, The Dark Knight Rises, also in the $1 billion club. At number 12, you have Captain Marvel making $1.1 billion back in 2019. At number 11 is Spider-Man Far From Home, also making $1.1 billion. Above that, you have Aquaman making $1.1 billion. Then you have Captain America Civil War at number 9, also making $1.1 billion. At number 8 is Iron Man 3 making $1.2 billion. At number 7 is one unlike all the others at $1.2 billion, The Incredibles 2, which is the only movie from Pixar to make the list. At number 6, you have Black Panther making $1.3 billion back in 2018. At number 5, you have Avengers Age of Ultron making $1.4 billion back in 2019. Number 4, The Avengers making $1.5 billion. At number three from last year, 
making $1.9 billion at the box office is Spider-Man No Way Home. And then in the top two slots, you have at number two, Avengers Infinity War, making $2 billion in 2018. And at number one, the movie we've been talking about, the highest grossing superhero movie of all time and the second highest grossing movie of all time out of any genre is Avengers Endgame making $2.7 billion in 2019, just under 2.8. It's like 2797. So as I summarize how a movie makes $1 billion and hearing that entire list and seeing what all of these have in common, you have to have your main characters here. There are a few that can stand alone. I feel like when it comes to DC, anything Batman is going to generate a lot of interest and make a lot of money, even this year with the Batman making $770 million, and it would put it on the list at number 29. Anytime you make a Batman movie, you're going to get people to go want to watch that. I think out of all these, the most surprising is probably Aquaman making $1.1 billion for a movie that didn't get a lot of word of mouth, a movie that's not even seen as that great of a superhero movie. Surprising that that movie is in the top 10. I wonder how far it's going to fall coming out with a sequel on that one. But that's probably the most surprising to me. Other things that work, obviously, is when you put all the superheroes together in the greatest hits movies, the Avengers, all of those movies sitting in the top five. The only other movie in that top five to do that it was Spider-Man No Way Home last year. I think there were a couple of reasons why that movie did what it did. It really was the first big movie coming out of the pandemic to shatter those type of numbers and really get people back into the theater for the first time with those shared kind of experiences. There's also the cameos in that movie and the rumors surrounding that going into that movie that made that movie a big deal. And I also think they really crushed it with the marketing of that movie and not giving fans a whole lot going into that of what to expect and that explosive factor of when it actually happened and how much word of mouth really influenced people to go continue to watch that movie and then coming out with different versions of it and then going out on Blu-ray. Like I actually bought a copy of Spider-Man No Way Home because I physically wanted to own such a piece of movie history. It felt like something I needed to buy. Rarely buy Blu-rays, but that is one of the only ones I've purchased probably in 10 years. And looking at this list, you really just see how much of an influence that Marvel has and why people continue to bank on superhero movies. And I think they are here to stay. Maybe in the next five years, we start getting fewer and fewer per year. But I still believe that superhero movies are the best at creating an event, creating a spectacle, creating a shared experience unlike any other. And that is the reason we go and watch these movies in theaters. And it goes back to my initial love for movies. It's because you go into a theater with all these people you don't know, you're strangers. But after you watch that movie, you laugh, you cheer, sometimes you cry. We all leave with a shared experience. And it's almost like you leave and you're not even strangers anymore because you all witness and experience that together. And out of all the movies I've seen in theaters in the last 10 years, there are very few movies that create a core memory in my mind. And movies that have done that are the ones that make a billion dollars because it's something we want to experience again. We want that feeling again. I chase it every single time I go and watch a superhero movie. Last year, Spider-Man No Way Home did that with the guest appearances. Avengers Endgame did that with all of the Avengers returning for that final battle scene. 
The only other movie this year to do that was probably Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was another sleeper hit. So I think that is why Hollywood will continue to bank on superhero movies, but I do think they'll have to get a little bit more inventive when it comes to origin stories, especially now as we move into other phases of Marvel but we'll see how they ride the success of Black Panther Wakanda forever. And we'll have to wait and see what the next movie will be to join the Billion Dollar Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's get right into it. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, my spoiler-free review. This movie makes you forget everything you know about the genre on the surface it is a superhero movie but at its core it is a story about grief it is a story about vengeance and it is the most emotional well-rounded character-driven marvel movie to date and the perfect way to close out phase four and right at the beginning of this movie it packs a punch and obviously just by the plot of this movie It has to address the passing of King T'Challa because Chadwick Boseman passed away in 2020. And that is how the movie starts. And I love the way they handled that scene and that opening. It was pretty quiet. And I was in a movie theater that was completely full. Every seat was taken up in this theater. And as soon as the movie started and began with that, everybody got silent. That doesn't happen. And I thought that was a pretty powerful thing right at the beginning so it starts with that and Wakanda is now mourning the death of their leader but at the same time there are all these world powers starting to mess with them everybody's still after their vibranium and they have to prove to everybody hey we're still Wakanda we are still the most powerful nation in the entire world even though our king has passed we're still here and we still mean business but the entire movie follows the story of Shiri her story of grief at the same time trying to protect the country and then you have this new threat with the villain of Namor who I believe is 
the best villain since Thanos. And maybe that isn't saying a whole lot at this point. Marvel tends to have a problem when it comes to their villains being so forgettable. But Namor, it felt like that threat I wanted in a Marvel movie. You want a villain that every time they are on screen, you pay attention. And what they are trying to do in their plan in the movie has to make it feel like, oh, man, your superheroes aren't going to be able to defeat this person. That is what I love in a villain. I got that feeling with Thanos. He did it the best. I got that feeling with Loki in the Avengers. And I think probably Killmonger in the original one. But now with Namor, I love that character. I love Tenoch Huerta, the way he played him. Also some representation there with a Mexican villain. So personally, I enjoyed that too. All around the board in this movie, there's so much representation. And this cast all together combined, like individually, they're all so great. But when you put all these characters together, I With all these actors, I think everybody has their moment to shine in this movie. From Angela Bassett, Letitia Wright, Winston Duke as M'Baku. Like, he really stepped it up in this movie. I know he had more of a supporting role in Black Panther, the original one. But I say he's probably one of my favorite characters in this entire movie. There are just so many strong performances that I really wasn't expecting for him to be one of my favorites. But he brought the comic relief in this movie and not that typical cheesy superhero comic relief that you and we've all kind of come to know and expect from Marvel movies. It was just funny, and I love their camaraderie in this movie. Whether or not they're all actual friends in real life, it really plays off on screen. So when they are joking around and there's some levity in this movie, which the movie all around is pretty heavy, but there are some moments for comedy, there are some moments for some laughter, which I think was needed, but it never feels cheesy. It never feels forced. It just feels like they all have such great on-screen chemistry that it comes natural. So it really takes it to the next level and doesn't feel like a superhero movie at all. doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. And I think that was really set whenever the first Black Panther came out and it was so critically acclaimed and loved by fans. This one had a lot of expectation going into it and it was almost like how would you even live up to that first one but i really think they nailed it here so i think anybody who is a fan of the original you'll be a fan of this one i don't think you would love black panther and see this one and be like meh not for me so if you love the first one i think you'll love this one even more the weird criticism i have is a really unfair one and it's obviously nothing that they could do but you do feel the missing presence of Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. And it's just unfortunate he is no longer here. And there was something inside of me that I was like, ah, they're going to bring him back. But you realize that, no, like that's real life. He is actually not here anymore. And I think sometimes when you think about celebrities and actors, it feels like they live on this entirely different planet. But that really grounded it for me, knowing that, he's really not here anymore. Like, I know he passed away. I know he is no longer here. But it made this weird connection in my brain of, oh, this isn't all just superhero escapism. Like, there's some real life here. So that was a weird thing that I wasn't expecting to feel. And you want him to be in this movie so bad. So I can only imagine how it felt for them coming back and working on this movie without him. And it felt like in some of these scenes, and I know they've said this in interviews too, They were dealing with their grief 
I know they're playing their characters here, but they are dealing also with their real life grief. So I think as fans, as we watch these movies, that'll probably set in with you a little bit during this movie when you just want Chadwick Boseman to be there. But I think going back to everybody else's performance, I think they stepped it up even more so to elevate all these other characters. And what this entire movie does is so much character development. And I will admit, that two hour and 40 minute runtime plus, you feel it, especially about halfway through the movie. And it's easy to say like, oh, the movie is too long. They could cut this and cut that. And, you know, I generally do sometimes say that when it comes to a movie this long. But I think it's all that character development and all those things building and building and fleshing out these characters. It's the journey they go through. And I think that runtime is warranted. You could be nitpicky and say, you got to cut this, cut this, cut that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think I'm never going to look back on this movie and think if that movie was just a little bit shorter, I would have enjoyed it more. No, because this is a movie I'm going to rewatch again, again, and time again, and will still enjoy. And when I think about any major criticisms I've had while watching this movie, there really wasn't anything. And what I loved about it so much is that it gave me that feeling again of being excited while watching a superhero movie. I wanted them to get to the action, and they did. I wanted certain things to happen, and they did. And it just had me so invested from the very opening scene to the very ending even the mid credit scene didn't feel cheesy and forced like sometimes those mid credit scenes are, which I get a little bit tired and annoyed of those <laughs> from time to time. But this one, even, even that was handled perfectly. So how would it rank among all the other films in Phase 4 now that this one closes out Phase 4? Easily the best. There's just no comparison to this one. It feels like it's on an entirely different level. When it comes to how it ranks to every other Marvel movie made, it's easy top 10. Ugh, I don't think it's top five, but it's an easy top 10. There are just so many now at this point. It almost feels arbitrary to try to rank them all at this point. So I'll just focus on phases. Easily the best film in phase four. So if I had to give this movie a rating... I think it's a perfect Marvel movie, even outside of being Marvel. I think it's just a perfect movie because of the themes in this, because of the representation, because of the villain, because of the lesson learned after watching this movie. There's nothing that I could say that would take away from that. So I think it is a perfect movie, and it is my only five out of five out of the entire year. I give Black Panther Wakanda Forever five out of five vibranium suits I can't wait to do the spoiler version of this review so I can get into the mid credit scene and some of the other surprises in this movie, but I think it's one you have to see in theaters. Watching this on the big screen and a crowd of people really elevated the feeling while watching this movie, and there weren't any VFX problems like Marvel has kind of been letting slip through the cracks lately. Everything was perfect down to the very minute detail. There you go. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. 
Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. I want to talk about a movie called The Whale. It stars Brendan Fraser. It is from A24. And it's his big, highly acclaimed return to the big screen. And this trailer has moved me in a way I wasn't expecting a trailer to move me. I think it's a combination of things. I think it's because it is Brendan Fraser's return. And we'll get into more about what that means. But seeing the love and support that Brendan Fraser has had in his return to acting has been pretty inspiring of all the things he's gone through after basically being blacklisted from Hollywood to now see him in a role where there's already Oscar buzz surrounding this. I think it's a very cool thing to witness him getting standing ovations after screenings of this movie. So I'm excited on an emotional level, but the movie itself now getting this trailer actually looks really good. It's about Brendan Fraser's character. His name is Charlie. He is an English teacher living with obesity, and he has decided to eat himself to death. And the movie follows his pain and misery that comes after the death of his lover, leading to his chronic binge eating. So here's just a little bit of the whale trailer. Do you forget the feeling? People are incapable of not caring. So this movie will follow his story of somebody dealing with these issues and reaching a 600 pound weight and how he is struggling to reconnect with this 17 year old daughter played by Sadie Sink in this movie who you would know from Stranger Things. And I think aside from the fact that this is Brendan Fraser's major return to movies, the movie also resonates with me of also having somebody who has dealt with weight issues over my life and seeing how Brendan Fraser is going to depict this character, I think will kind of bring a lot of things to light of what it is to live like that, to have people judge you, to feel like an alien, and just to bring light on what that struggle is of somebody who suffers with chronic binge eating. That's definitely something I have 
faced in my life. I think when I reached my heaviest weight, that was something that I had to have a real realization with. Like that was something I had to come to grips with that I did have an unhealthy relationship with food. And I was always wanting to eat healthier or just eat better or just not eat the same things that I was eating that was causing me to feel this way. But it's a vicious cycle. I would try to break it time and time again of trying to eat healthier. And over my lifetime, I failed more times than I succeeded. I only succeeded once, but I failed probably a hundred times of trying to make it stick. But I think even now, after losing 100 pounds, it's still something that kind of hangs in the back of my mind of what would happen if I fell back on those habits and what my life would look like and how I would change. So it is an ongoing thing that you have to deal with day after day. So I hope they took that story on knowing of how sensitive it can be to some people, especially for those who have dealt with issues like this. So I hope and just by the looks of this trailer, it doesn't look like they are poking fun at his situation in any regard. And I think Brendan Fraser is the perfect person to play this part. And it's crazy of how big of a career he had and how he was the go-to guy in Hollywood in the 90s and the early 2000s. I mean, with movies like The Mummy or my favorites, George of the Jungle, he was just one of the biggest movie stars and he stepped out of the spotlight to deal with some personal issues. He had some surgeries with some medical things. His mother passed away. He got divorced. He also was blacklisted from Hollywood because of an assault allegation he put on someone else, causing him to lose a lot of his roles and people not want to put him in movies anymore. And now we have this renaissance of people on TikTok and Instagram of people rooting him on to get back to becoming a leading man. So I hope this movie does that for him. I think that video of him standing there receiving a six-minute standing ovation after this movie was screened back at the Venice Film Festival. I think that is inspiring. I think that is what is leading to all of the Oscar buzz for him to win for Best Actor. How amazing would that be? I mean, we gave it to Will Smith last year. Why can't we give it to Brendan Fraser this year? He ain't slapping nobody. I just feel like that would be a very inspirational moment especially while reading early reviews for this movie saying that his performance will floor you. So I can't wait to see this movie. It comes out in theaters on December 9th, 2022. That is The Whale. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that is going to do it for another episode here on the podcast. Hopefully you learned something on this episode. I tried a little bit of a different format. I like the ones where I get to research a topic that I'm already passionate about and connect all those dots. So my goal with this one was to inform and entertain. So if you enjoyed today's episode, let me know. Let me know what you thought about that format. And I will hit you right now with my listener shout out of the week, which I mentioned last week, that it would be going to anybody who used the secret emoji from the David Silverman interview. And that secret emoji was the yellow pencil. So thanks everybody who commented on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok with that secret emoji. And my shout out goes to a comment from TikTok. It is from Black Quill Signs. You are the winner of the listener shout out and Black Quill Designs wrote awesome episode. I had to watch some Simpsons after this episode today. 
So did I, Black Quill Designs. I think that interview also added fuel to my fire that is my Simpsons lifelong obsession. So if you missed that interview last week with the director of the Simpsons movie, go back one episode in the feed. He talked all about what it was like making that movie, how long one episode of The Simpsons takes to make, and reveal the actual reason why The Simpsons are yellow. So not only can you go back on the podcast feed and listen to that episode, I have also revamped my YouTube channel. So youtube.com slash Mike Distro, and you can watch interviews from the podcast that I'll be posting now, and you can also watch individual movie reviews all up there on my YouTube channel. Again, that is youtube.com slash Mike Distro, or it'll be linked in the episode notes of this podcast. So if you're on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to that channel. Thank you for listening, and until next week, go out and watch good movies, and I will talk to you later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. Yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.